Well, 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 here we are again. So, Lord, we just ask you to just bless our time. We ask you just to be Lord of our moments together this morning. We ask you, Lord, for a spirit of revelation that the eyes of our heart will be opened up to see what you want us to see, to live in the place of freedom that you called us to live in, to unravel every scheme of the enemy off of our life, and to bring us into your fullness. We thank you that you love us so much. We thank you, Lord, that you are jealous for our destiny. And we just ask you, Lord, just to come and, and give us Holy Spirit downloads, deposits in our life, and to break off what is not of you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in our universe, there are laws that uh, you are bound to, like, like gravity, right? I mean, you can't escape that one. We all are bound to it, and we may try to defy it, but we can't defy it at all. And, but that's the way it is. They're just, they're just universally binding. But, you know, in the same way there are physical laws that are, that are universally binding, there are also spiritual laws that are universally binding as well. And when that means that actually you can't escape those either. One of those laws is the law of the harvest, or the law of sowing and reaping, or sometimes known as the law of return. In this, in this particular law, if you understand this law and, and know about this law, then it could actually be a blessing to you. If you, if you, if you can grasp this law then it would be something that would be beneficial for you. But your ignorance of this law can actually bring you into some pretty negative things when you don't fully understand it. See, the law of the harvest begins by just you reap what you sow. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. You plant corn, you're going to get corn. You're not going to get something else. So you reap exactly what you, what you sow. You also reap more than you sow. You see, in God's kingdom, he's designed his kingdom in such a way that we live in the place of increase. He wants us to live in the place of, of, of increase, and that he simply desires that. He desires an increase of all things beneficial. Whenever we, you know, talk about, like, like when you give into the Lord and you give an offering or something like that, you know, we, we, the, the, the Lord actually gives an increase to us as we give financially. We find this in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you know, where, where it says in verse 6, I say that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. 
Then it says that God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And talks about he supplies so you know seed to the sower and so forth. So we understand that that's kind of in the financial realm. So you know there there is a blessing, and that's the context that he's actually talking about there. So we reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow, but there's also you reap later than you sow. You know, you know, you don't plant some corn and go, okay, I'll sit, I think I'll sit back and watch it grow. I mean, it just doesn't happen like that. There's actually a time lag that happens. And you see, for a lot of it, especially if a person is sowing to the flesh, because they don't reap immediate consequences for sowing to the flesh, they think they've gotten away with it. Like, that law doesn't apply to me. But the book of Galatians Chapter 6, verse 7 says, do not be deceived. Don't fool yourself. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he, he will reap. It will happen. So in the law of the harvest, the law of return, we reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow, and we reap later than we sow. Another thing that we must recognize is this, is that the spirit realm is, is really real. A lot of people doesn't really see it because we don't see it. We actually see in part, you don't see full reality of what is going on in this room right now. Are you aware of that? I mean, you have, you have a perception. We, we are designed and created such a way that we can see into the physical realm, but there is a whole spiritual realm that is, that's real. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there happen to be angels in this room. Now, I can't see them. There may be some people that see them, but I don't see them at all. There's angels and probably even a few demons that are in this room as well. But it's a real, it's a genuine realm. It's a, it's a, it's a true realm. And your understanding of the spirit realm can actually bring life into, you know, to you, bring life into your relationships, bring life into your circumstances. But your ignorant of, ignorance of the spirit realm can also bring about some negative effects as well, and sometimes even put you into bondage, or even others into bondage. Jesus comes to his hometown after his temptation with the devil. He'd been baptized, went to the, went to the desert, was tempted, and then he goes to his hometown, and, and when he gets to his hometown of Nazareth, the reading for the day happened to be in Isaiah chapter 61. And he says this in Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He says to bring liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. There's a difference between a captive and a prisoner. See, a captive is, finds himself in bondage not because of something that they did, but because something that somebody else did. But you're still in bondage, not because you did something, but somebody else did something that actually put you in bondage. Prisoners, you're in jail because you deserve to be there. <laughs> but the good news that Jesus is saying here is there's freedom, there's liberty, regardless if you're in bondage because of what you did or what somebody else did, the good news is there's freedom. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking about one of these areas 
where people simply need to walk in, walk in freedom. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. This is kind of the, the key verse here that we're going to be looking at. Hebrews 12, 15 says this, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. There's grace, there's power, there's God, His enabling power is available to us. See to it, no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. See, basically this, is, this passage is saying this, whenever there's a root of bitterness that is present, it potentially can file, defile the people that are around us. And it does so because there is that, that force of sowing and reaping, that whenever we're sowing based upon judgments, there is a reaping that is going to be coming because of that. And, and, and when other people may get defiled around us because that root actually may cause them to act in ways that they probably even could resist, except they're connected to us. And they may be even unaware of what is really going on. They may be unaware of the, of the force or the source that's pressuring them to act in certain ways. See, the way the kingdom is designed is that people around us should actually become better, become stronger, because they're in connection with us. Because if we're sowing into the things of the Spirit, then people around us would be beneficiaries because in our sowing, we are actually reaping the benefits of the Spirit and people around us get impacted in a really, really good way. But also there's the reverse, that if I'm sowing to the other things, if I'm sowing judgments and things of that nature, actually the people around us do not become better. They actually can be disabled because of, what, of the things that I'm actually carrying here. So I'm talking about this today. We're talking, I'm, going to talk, I'm talking about bitter root judgments, which actually creates expectations that actually activates a force in the spirit realm. And whenever we judge, it comes back to us. The book of Matthew chapter 7, 1 says this. It says, judge not lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And then it goes on to make the, the statement there. You know, why are you looking at the, the, the splinter in somebody else's eye when you have the two-by-four in your own. Actually, it says a log. I think that's a lot bigger than a two-by-four. <laughs> you know, well, why are you looking at the little thing in that person's eye when you got something massive in your own? He said, why don't you take care of yours first? <coughs> take care of yours first, and then, and, and then you, you, know, you can work on somebody else's. So it says that we can't, we, you know, we shouldn't be judging. And that's really the big issue because that's really activating something. Because whenever we judge it, that judgment happens to be coming back to us. Now you say, what is a judgment? Well, judgment is when you're actually passing a final verdict on something. In, in other words, somebody could be doing, I mean, what you saw was correct. They may actually be doing this. But what you're doing is that you're actually making a judgment based upon their character or their, or their identity. I mean, for example, let's say Johnny steals some money, okay? So we say Johnny is a thief, 
Now, how do we use in that word thief? Now, if I'm talking about his, his activity, that's one thing. But if I'm talking about his identity, then that's judgment. If I'm talking about, okay, so Johnny's, you know, Johnny stole, Johnny is a thief because he stole some money. I'm just, if I'm using that to describe what he did in his activity, I'm just talking about his activity, but if I use that term to describe his motives and, and really who he is and his identity, then that's judgment. And I have to examine my heart. How am I using that term? Am I talking about identity or activity? Am I talking about what he does or am I talking about his motives? And the truth is, there's only one person who's righteous enough to judge. Right? That's true. And that's God. So that passage in Matthew 7, 2 says, with the measure you use it, it's going to be coming back to you. So in the same area, in the same regard, whenever it comes out of you, it's going to actually be coming back to you. And because you are bound to the law of the harvest, when judgment comes out, judgment comes back. And when it comes back, it's going to come in a greater measure than when it, when it, when it left you. For example, the book of Luke chapter 6, verse 38 is a verse that oftentimes whenever you hear it in, in, in the church, you're going to hear it more often in the context of the offering. You know, it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pour into your lap, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. Well, the context of that is not about money. The context of that is about judging. So it says, do not judge or you will be judged. And then it gets to then that verse 38. So that means that whenever judgment comes out of you, it's going to come back to you. And when it comes back to you, it's going to come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, pouring into your lap. So when somebody comes up to me and they says, you know, I just feel like everybody's judging me. And I go, well, who have you been judging? Because as that thing has been coming out, it's, it's going to come back to you because that's the law of the harvest. And the thing is, is that if you don't deal with it, you know, soon, the longer it stays out there, the greater increments it's going to be, it's going to be increasing. You know, you sow a spark and you get a forest fire. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7, it says you sow to the wind and you get a whirlwind. It's going to come back in a bigger fashion than when it left you. So, let, so how do bitter, bitter root judgment affect you? Well, I'm going to give you about three ways that we become affected by this. The first one is this, that people around you either act out or become what you have judged. Now, let me give you some illustrations of that. Uh, Cindy Jacobs uh, writes a... a, a a chapter in a book that Doris Wagner put together, and she, as she talked about bitter judgment, she talks about, tells a story about her husband. Whenever they were young, earlier in their marriage, uh, he was actually working for American Airlines. They were living in Dallas, Texas. He comes home one day. Here she is, you know, a young mom with all these kids. She, he comes home one day, and he says, you know, I made a decision. I'm, we're we're, we're going to sell everything, and uh, I'm going to quit my job, and we're going to move, and I'm going to go work on my master's degree. She goes, we never talked about that. 
He goes, no, no, I just, I just decided that that's what we're going to do. We, we, maybe we should talk about this. No, no, I've, I've, I've decided that's what we're going to do. And now she's mad. And she's like, I can't believe this. She said, I tried to talk some sense into him all night long. Nothing was working. She was now mad. You know, the next morning, he goes off to work. She goes, I'm just mad, and I'm talking to God. And I'm mad at God, and I'm mad at him. And all of a sudden, a memory comes back to her mind of when she was very young, and her dad was a pastor. And, I'm, and the way she described it, they were living probably in the parsonage. And the way she describes it, they probably had a business meeting that did not go well that night for him, and they probably fired him. And she says, he comes home, and he says, we're packing up tonight, and we're leaving tomorrow. And she says, I made a judgment. That's what the men in my life do. They make decisions without me, and I'm enslaved to to their decisions. And she realized, oh, no. I sowed a judgment to my father, and I'm reaping it with my husband. So she confesses it to the Lord. I forgive, you know, forgive me, God, for doing this. I forgive my father for, because he didn't, you know what he did. I forgive my husband. I mean, she forgave everybody, released all, all of her judgments that she, that she had made. That afternoon, her husband comes home. And so she's kind of, he's happy. You know, he's just happy. And, and she said, you know, I'm waiting for him to kind of drop the hammer, like, what's, what's going to be next? And, and he wasn't saying anything. So she said, so, are we, are we moving? He goes, no, I don't know. Just, I, just, I just changed my mind. We're not going to do that. <laughs> she actually broke off that judgment, and actually there was some freedom that came to him. So we're not just, just talking about just about forgiveness here. We're talking about that whenever I make a judgment, then what happens, I actually act that, that that's, I begin to sow into something that actually brings an effect and affects other people. And I actually find myself sometimes experiencing the same situation over and over again, like I'm in just this, this endless loop of what I've judged. John and Paula Sanford wrote, right, they have a book called The Transformation of the Inner Man, it's just, which is a classic on inner healing. It's, I, don't, I don't know when it was written, but it was a long time ago. But anyway, they tell the story about a, about a man growing up, had a mom who just didn't have the ability to take care of the family. She, was, she just couldn't do it. And so she didn't take care of them. She didn't clean the, she, you know, the feeding and all that stuff. She just could not take care of the family, and whatever wounds that she had, she medicated with food, and so she became large. And so he, he judged her, you know, because she couldn't take care of herself and couldn't take care of them. So he married a woman, and she wasn't a large woman, but, but you know, after two or three kids, you know, she started to gain some weight, and she couldn't quite get, it, get off, and all of a sudden, he began to, to judge her and began to complain, you know, about her and, and about, about her gaining weight, <clears throat> which actually pushed her buttons because when she grew up, she had a father that she could never please, and so she was always trying to please her father. So what happened with him, he created an expectation that, you know, the women in my life would actually be this way, and all that had pushed her buttons, because she had an expectation that I never can please the men in my life, 
And they sowed with their parents and reaped with their spouses. And when they broke that off, things shifted for both of them. When you have a bit of root, you always you develop some expectations. And people actually feel those expectations. They sense those expectations. And it seems that you set something in motion in the spirit realm for those expectations to come to pass. I have a friend that I was, uh, and her name's Joanne Moody. And uh, I, was, I did some speaking engagement this last month with Joanne, and, and uh, I was teaching on this. And so she, she was telling me some, some of her own stories in this re- regard. So uh, Joanne has a tremendous testimony. I think it's with the books called Moment by Moment. You should read that sometime. It's just that she had chronic pain for like 14 years or so. And, and God, I mean, he healed her miraculously. It was, a, it was an amazing thing. But she only has one son because of that. She, the pain actually came from giving birth to this son. And, and uh, so people would ask her all the time, like, hey, how's, how's your son doing? And he, this was pretty much her response. She goes, I don't know. I don't know how he's doing because he never talks to me. You know, I, you know and she travels all over like I do. He, goes, he, he has no idea where in the world I'm at, where I'm going to. He doesn't care. He never texts me. He never calls. You know, so I don't know if he's doing good or not because, he, you know, he, he never talks to me. I, I don't know if he, you know, loves me or not. You know, he thinks I basically love my friends more than I love him. And, and, and so her one of her friends named Kathy, who was with her, says, you know, Joanne, I think that's a bitter root judgment. She goes, no, it's not. I love him. He's my son. Yeah, but you've made a bitter root judgment. Listen to those statements. You know, those statements like always, never. <laughs> she goes, okay. So what she does is that she, you know, and her friend's laughing at her as she's doing this stuff. She starts breaking off every word that she spoke against her son and all the things that she said and the judgments that she made. And she said, no lie. In three minutes after I did that, I get a text from my son. And he says, hey, mom, I don't know where in the world you are, but I want you to know I'm thinking about you. I love you. I mean, everything that she just broke off, he actually said in that text three minutes after she broke it off. I have another friend of mine, Candace Mishkin. Now, Candace has an amazing story. I mentioned to some of you who were here yesterday about the woman who had this encounter in the jail. Well, you know, that, that was Candace. But so Candace is a, you know, she, was, she grew up, she's Jewish. She really, she didn't walk with the Lord at all. And she married a Venezuelan, very rich family, but she struggled because she ended up, she had a, she, well, she fell into a crack cocaine habit. And so she lost everything. She, she found herself on the street. Her husband left and divorced her, you know, because she was gone like that. He ended up remarrying. She, he took the kids. They went to Venezuela. And, and so, and so, you know, she had this amazing God encounter in the, in the jail. I mean, really, we're talking, he just showed up in person. I mean, it was like, and, and now, and, and, I mean, the result of that, she gave her heart to Jesus. And then she finds herself in this halfway house, working through her recovery. And she's reading some of the stuff from Elijah House on Bitterroot Judgments. And she realized, okay, I've been making judgments in this, making these statements. You know, first of all, my husband will never forgive me. 
I will never see my kids again. I will never be a part of their life again. And I'm doomed not to ever be connected with this family anymore. And so she's, you know, her judgment was actually against herself. She didn't feel like I was worthy. So she judged herself and setting forth expectations that she will never have a connection or relationship. So she realized, oh, I've just made a bit of judgments against, you know, against me, and I'm, and I'm making these statements. And so now my expectations is that that will never happen. And so, you know, this was on a, in the morning. She realized that. She began to confess that, break all of that off. And that afternoon, she, she gets a phone call, and it's a Venezuelan phone number. Her husband, of course, had remarried. He was living there, and she answered it, and it was her ex-husband. He said, hi, I just come, wanted to you know, find out how you're doing, and I was just got to thinking about you today, and, and I decided, you know, it's about time that you re-entered into the life of your kids. You see, there, you do not minimize what goes on in the spirit realm because the force, which is a law of sowing and reaping, whenever we sow, you activate a force you activate it in such a way that it's going to be coming back to you. So when we make these statements like always, never, like, you know, some guy may say, you know, women are always controlling or men just can't be depended upon or nobody ever listens to me. I mean, what if you make those kinds of statements, you are now setting in motion an expectation in that spirit realm. And these statements create expectancies. And these judgments can be made against somebody in your life, your childhood, your experiences, or even yourself, but you create an expectancy that actually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that you actually may experience over and over again. So the first way that that bitter root judgments may impact you is that people around you may either act out or actually become what you have judged. Secondly, is that you just, you become what you judged. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like the, 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 the guy who had an alcoholic father, or abusive father. Growing up, you know, his father was never there. He was absent and, and, uh, and, and he, you know, he had some legitimate expectations, but the offenses began to stack up. Bitterness began to creep in, and he began to make these declarations, these vows. You know, whenever I, whenever I grow up, I will never be like that. And then he becomes the very same thing he said he would never become. Or it could be, you know, maybe this, you know, it's a woman, and her mother was a screamer. I mean, she's just, she's just always yelling and screaming, and you know, and you know, there's some lot of hurt and damage and wounding because she had the screaming mother. She goes, and I, I will never be that way. And then she has preschoolers, <laughs> and finds that she becomes the very person that she vowed she would never become. Or maybe, or maybe you had controlling, manipulative parents 
I mean, they're just always in your business. They're always, always telling you what to do. And like, even when you get older, they're always telling you. They're always saying, we got to do this, do this. You know, you should mow the lawn this way. You know, you should. I mean, they're always just in, right into your stuff in your business. And you go, I will never be that way. And then you become that yourself. See, it's the law of return. The law of return. The law of return is supposed to, it's designed actually, if you understand it and how to use it, you, it can actually bring you into a place of great, great blessing. Because when it comes out of you, it, it, that blessing will come back to you. But when the negativity comes out of you, it will come back to you. I've mentioned that, that Luke 6 passage. Earlier, right before it talks about judging, it will say, you know, bless those who curse you. He says, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Why do you want to bless those who curse you? Well, because what's coming out comes back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So when blessing is coming out of you, blessing's coming back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. But, if, but, it, but what happens when that person is cursing you, they've set that law in motion you know, to reap what they have sowed, and now you're feeling the pressure to curse them back. And, and you're just like, well, that's not even my nature. I don't even, that's not normally what I do. But you're act, because you're unaware of what you're feeling, you're feeling the pressure coming upon you to, for them to reap what they have sown, and now you've got this pressure to give back to them what has come to you. And then what happens when you do that, guess what's coming back to you? I love it in that passage. It says, love your enemies. Do you realize you cannot even obey that passage if you don't have an enemy? You should thank God you have enemies. You go, now I get to obey the word of God. (laughs) We will reap what we sow. It is universally binding. But you want, the, you want the blessing to be coming back to you in many fold is what you want. I'm, let me just look at another passage here. The, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. And this is actually in the positive, not in the negative. <coughs> and let me just give you the summary of that verse. It basically says this. <coughs> it says, the unbelieving spouse is sanctified by the believing one. Okay, what does that mean? It means that with, if the, there's a believing spouse in the home, that the believing spouse actually carries something to bring sanctification into the house and over other people. You see, the new covenant is different than the old covenant. In the old covenant, it's like this. I, don't, I do not touch the leper because I'm going to get leprosy, but in the new covenant, I touch the leper and they're healed. Is there something, and, and so if your mindset, you understand the ways of the kingdom, that means I carry, the, I carry heaven on me. I carry the glory of the Lord on me. I carry what Jesus carries. I carry that. And if I have an unbelieving spouse, that means when I come in the home, I'm bringing something into the home. I'm bringing the holiness of, of Jesus, you know, into the home. I'm bringing him into my home. And so what happens, I actually put a demand on that other person in the home to experience the things of heaven, and they may resist that, and they still may act according to the flesh, but, but they're feeling upon them the pressure of transformation. What they're feeling is the grace of God that I'm carrying that is coming on them. 
So if I realize that, but if I, if I enter that home in fear of, you know, I'm going to get what they have, then I'm actually kind of shutting that thing down because fear, I'm reaping the consequences of that. But I want to understand what I'm carrying, then then they get impacted by that. You see, this is actually a, a, a scriptural foundation to say that what other people get impacted by the things that I carry. And in this case, it happens to be pretty good. Uh, Cindy Jacobs also told a story about her friend who had an unbelieving husband. And, and they were in a conversation one day, and, and her husband, you know, who's never given his life to Jesus, she basically made this kind of a, a statement about her husband. She said, you know, he, he, he will never be born again. Remember that never word? He will never be born again. He doesn't even want to accept Christ. And Cindy said, you know, I think that's a bit of root judgment. I think you need, just need to repent of that and just ask God to forgive you and just release him. And so she goes, oh, my, I never thought about that. And she did. She actually released that bit of root judgment of what she said, that he will never. And within seven days, guess who came to know Jesus. Pretty powerful. So the first two ways that we get impacted by bitter root judgments, first of all, people around us um, either act out or become what we've judged, or secondly, we become what we've judged. But thirdly, sometimes it's like I didn't even do anything. All I'm doing, I'm just connected in a relationship with somebody who has a bitter root judgment. And I'm actually feeling what they're carrying and the pressure that is upon them because they haven't dealt with it. So I'm actually, you know, it's like I'm, I'm getting slimed by somebody else's bitter root judgment. <laughs> and I'm finding myself having this compulsion to act this way, to behave this way, or to do this way and, and because I'm feeling this expectancy that is on them. It, it's not voiced in words necessarily. I just feel it. And, and, and I may actually, when I don't understand what's happened, I may actually give in to that and actually do it. Because I don't know how to counteract it. So I find myself sometimes in bondage to either, like, maybe a, a spouse or to a parent or to a boss. Because I'm feeling their expectancies and not really knowing I mean, because it's not really tangible, I just, I'm not aware of it. I get pulled into it because I feel it. Now, up to this point, I know it, Rodney, this is sounding pretty grim up to this point. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's kind of like, you know, what's going on here? I mean, I got these bitter roots, and it's actually making people act and become a certain way, and and that's all coming back to me, or or maybe I'm sliming people, you know, or I'm getting slimed by somebody else's bitter roots here. I'm in this, this constant loop of reaping and sowing. I'm in this constant loop of, you know, acting something out over and over again because I'm powerless to stop it. But the good news is mercy and grace overcomes judgment. That is the good news. You see, the cross of Jesus is powerful enough to break off every curse and rectify every bitter root judgment if we cooperate and repent and confess. Now, there's no cheap grace. 
I mean, forgiveness doesn't mean that God just looked the other way. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law and fulfilled the full legal demand of sowing and reaping judgments. He fulfilled it in pain in his body as he suffered on the cross. So the law of sowing and reaping is, is binding. You will reap what you have sowed. But Jesus stood on your behalf. He became your curse. His body was brutally beaten. He was nailed to the cross. The price was paid in full. All that we deserve because of our sin was paid by the cross. And so mercy triumphs over judgment. And so what that means is this. It means you can actually be free from any judgments that you have made. It means that you are empowered to release any expectations that you have made. It means that you can disable anything that would come from you that would want to defile another, and it means that you can defile, I mean, you, can, you can knock down and that you can disable anything that would come from another that would want to defile you. You don't have to live under other people's bitter root judgments. You can be free from that. And that's freedom. It's not automatic because you have to do your part. You know what your part is? Repent and confess. Confess and repent. That's basically our part there. You see, there, mercy is available, and it actually just gets released in a moment, but if you don't receive it, it's not going to happen. You have to do your part in receiving, and our part in receiving is that we confess and we, and we repent of that. So we can be free, and you can be free of anything that's actually projected on you. That's, the law of sowing and reaping is so powerful. I mean, you, you, it's like, it is so compulsive and so strong you, you, it's very difficult for you in, in your natural abilities to be able to resist that, but there's grace of God to be able to resist that, and, and you can actually disable that, but only if you bring it to the cross. The cross just dealt every bit of judgment the death blow to take it out. I know, you know, some of you might think, well, you know, I don't know that I have any bitter root judgments, you know, and, and that may be true, but understand this, that when it talks about it, it talks about it's a, it's, it's a root. You know, you don't see roots. It didn't say lop off a branch. It's, it says roots, bitter roots. I mean, we're talking about something that is subterranean that you don't see it until it springs up. I mean, it's like you have this elm tree in your, in your yard, and all of a sudden, now you've got an elm tree growing over there. But you go, that didn't come from a seed. That actually came from a root. And so sometimes we don't know we have a root until it springs up. But you know who does know who, where our roots are? <laughs> yes, Jesus knows where every root is, and if you ask him, he can reveal them and expose them, and he can take them out. 
And it's usually a lot better than when they spring up and they begin to defile other people as well. So the way the kingdom works, in the positive sense, the way the kingdom works, because of the, the law of sowing and reaping, when I'm sowing into the spirit, when I'm sowing into that realm, that means when, when people get around me, the people around me, they become better, they become stronger, they become more impacted because they are actually reaping the stuff that is coming out of me. This is true. This, this is happening. But also the negative part that, that if I've not dealt with that stuff and that negative stuff and those judgments are coming out of me, they're not, they're not going to be increasing. So just do some self-evaluation. How are the people around me doing? Are they, doing, are they, are they becoming stronger, amazing, better, or are they just kind of getting worse and worse and worse? So, you know, do some of that self-evaluation there. I mean, my, my, my job this morning isn't like to, to you know, to bring any condemnation on you. My, my job this morning is that we're going to break this stuff off of you. I mean, we're going to take care of this in, in a little bit here, okay? <laughs> I, I just really started kind of preaching this message. I, it's like I've always dealt with people and worked them through bitter judgments, but it's like I keep coming across people over and over again in the last few months who simply have these bitter judgments. I go, man, I better start teaching on this. So I've only been like really just intentionally developing a, a message to teach on in the last couple of months. I, I taught it in the church in Oregon. The pastor goes, oh, my goodness, this was so timely. You know, people were getting set free. The next week, I went to a men's camp. We had a, we had a, a, a retreat uh, at the church that I attend. It was a huge, we had over 600 men at this retreat. It was a massive retreat. And so on, on the last night, on the Freedom Night, I preached on this, bitter judgments. I mean, things were breaking off these men. I mean, there was a weeping, sobbing. And, and, you know, and then I'm getting these texts back, you know, like this guy's, like, this guy sent, you know, just one ex example. This guy just was taken out by this on Saturday night. Sunday morning, he gets my book on forgiveness. He's working it through. I give him a worksheet on how to work out through the bitter root judgments, which I can actually give. And you guys can have access to that if you need to work it through, you know, because it, be, it may take a little bit longer than what we have to do today. But anyway, he was working it through. You know, he, and he was estranged from his kids, and he'd always made these judgments, you know, in reaction to some of their judgments, and he broke all of that off. On Tuesday, he gets a text from his daughter-in-law says, hey, can we meet on Thursday? Unsolicited. On Wednesday, he gets a text from his son, and his daughter-in-law says, hey, can we meet on Saturday? He shifted the atmosphere over them when he dealt with his. The next week, I, I was online. I was teaching in a, 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 a ministry class, <coughs> ministry school with the church uh, ministry, which is in <coughs> Great Falls, Montana. And there are about 15 women on there. And then I taught on that night. I, told her, I thought about teaching bitter judgment. She goes, yeah, I do that. I go, well, I don't know if they really know what that, if they were going to want that or not, you know, once we get started going down that road. And she goes, yeah, I think you should. In the next week, I got, I got a text that says, you won't believe this. Six of those women have said we, they had immediate breakthroughs in their family in just a matter of days. I said, ooh, there's something on this. I was talking to one of the, 
the, the, the pastors in the city who a pastor had run for office. And, uh, you know, you think, why in the world would you ever want to run for political office, right? I mean, it's, if you're a pastor, well, he did because he just wanted to have impact into the city. And he didn't realize when he entered into that realm how nasty people can be. And then there were people that says, you have no business running to be a pastor, to be, a, you know, for, for this position. You know, you're, you know, stick to your own realm of being a pastor. And so people were judging him. So what did he do? Man, he's judging them back, you know. And he, he even made a few statements in, in front of the church, you know, about this sort of thing. And then all of a sudden it just got worse and worse and worse. And I'm sitting and talking to him and says, man, it sounded like to me you, you activated some bitter root judgments. And now you have this, this person who's acting like an, like an antagonist, we're not labeling him, okay, where I'm talking about his activity, but that's probably how he labeled him. And I said, I think you got a bitter root judgment. And so he goes, I never thought about that. And when he broke it off, within two weeks, he was able to set up a meeting with a mediator and have a conversation. And then within a week, that guy says, hey, listen, we don't need a mediator. Can we just get together for coffee? I mean, Do not minimize what can happen in the spirit realm. So I, I, will, I will send a little uh, worksheet out that you can kind of send out, but basically that worksheet is going to have you just, you know, and you can start thinking it through right now. You know, who are the people that you've made bitter root judgments against who have been defiled by your bitter root judgments? And by the way, you know, when you, when you make that list, don't forget to include yourself in that one too. Sometimes we just got to do that one there. Make a list of the judgments that you have made. And then just, just take those things and take them to the cross. And if you take them to the cross, mercy triumphs over judgment. Just do your part and break those off of you. Break those off of them. I'll also include a prayer in that that you might have to pray a few times, especially as you come up with one. But what we're going to do right now is that we're going to just take some authority over those judgments, okay? So before we do that, I just want you just to bow your head. And Holy Spirit, I ask you now just to begin to let us be authentic with you. Just be real. And just search us, Lord. Expose any judgment that we've made. Expose any bitter root that we have. So why don't you go ahead and stand with me? And let's make a, a declaration and a prayer, and let's cancel those things. Sound good?
Okay, so repeat after me. Say, Father, forgive me for standing in your place as judge. I lay down my self-imposed responsibility to judge the heart, the motive, the intentions, and the actions of people. I repent for my pride that is evident when I'm critical or have judgmental thoughts. Forgive me for judging others and expose it when I have a log in my own eye. Forgive me for the bitter root judgments I've made, thought, or spoken against others. I renounce and break the judgments I've made. Jesus, I ask you to remove from those I've slimed the entanglements and bondages of my judgments. And I ask you to bless them. I lay aside all consequences of the judgments I sowed at the foot of the cross to be removed by the blood of Jesus. I take back the ground that I've given over to bitterness. Jesus, I ask you to remove all residue of bitterness in my life. I break the curse of judgments off of my bloodline. Set me and my descendants free from those consequences. I take authority over all curses and judgments that come against me from others. I cancel those assignments and I return a blessing on those whom those assignments came from. Fill me, Jesus, with love and compassion. And thank you, Jesus, that nothing is impossible for you. Now let me just pray for you. Lord, your word said, whenever we confess Father, not only do you forgive, but you cleanse us, right? You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I thank you, Lord, that we can break everything off of us right now. And I ask you, Jesus, just to begin to wash us now. So just receive the cleansing of the Lord. Just let it come. Let it just wash over you. There's a cleansing and a purging of darkness. You're shutting down the schemes of the demonic and you're activating 
heavenly assignments. You've just activated the angelic to unravel and reverse any negativity that came out of you and are activating heavenly assignments to come back to you. So just receive right now the washing of the Lord. In fact, some of you might even kind of feel like you're just standing under a shower as this grace is just coming over you, washing over you, cleansing you, knocking stuff off of you. Just let it come. Just let it come. Just freedom. Freedom. Jesus, I ask for your Holy Spirit sensitivity now to whenever judgments come to our mind and come out of our mouth that we can capture them quickly when they cross the threshold of our thinking. That we will recognize where we're having thoughts that are not yours. Just assign angels to walk with us and nudge us whenever we do that. Just bring it to our minds. And so cleanse us. Wash us. Wash over us. Let refreshing come to our spirits right now. Refreshing to rise up in our spirits. continue to stay in this place with the Lord but over the next few days some of you some things may come to your mind confess and repent disables them repent is just changing your thinking 